Lifetime while raising awareness of the needs of children in the foster system through our partnership with Children's Hope Alliance. This is Ron Clements alongside my wife, Patty. Hello. And we are in Ohio uh, recording this uh, just north of Columbus before we venture on down to Cincinnati, where we will see stadium number 13 when the Rockies play the Reds Tuesday at Great American Ballpark. And Patty, we get to take Holmes to his second Major League Baseball game. Yeah, it should be fun. And I'm thinking it will be warmer than it was the first time he got to go to a game. Yeah, June in Cincinnati should be warmer than April 8th in Washington, D.C. I would say. And I'm sure they'll have water for the pups, so they'll be well taken care of. Sweetenly. (laughs) But... We left Cleveland, and Patty, you know, uh, Drew Carey was right. Well, technically the presidents of the United States of America. Cleveland rocks. It does, and who would have thunk it? Because honestly, other than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and of course the baseball park, sports parks, whatever, I had never thought that I would say to somebody, hey, Cleveland is a destination you might actually want to go to. Yeah, you know... There is a lot to do in and around Cleveland. I think it's a very underrated city. Uh, There's a national park just south of Cleveland, Cuyahoga Valley National Park, and it's huge. Uh, There's a there's waterfalls in there. Obviously, it's called Cuyahoga Falls, right? Uh, We saw Brandywine Falls, which is a really cool park. Uh, We we went hiking with Holmes. We did, and we only scratched the surface just a little bit. We we saw a corner of that park. Right, and there's even a train, apparently, that takes you somewhere along where the National Park is, and you can take your bikes on the train and then bike back from wherever your destination is. It's just there's a ton of stuff to do. Yep. But we're going to talk about what we did on Cleveland and kind of go in chronological order. Uh, we we did the park on Friday, but we already talked about that. But we're going to back up to Tuesday when we actually did see the Indians play the White Sox at Progressive Field with our buddy Joe Rogers, who lives in Cleveland now, got to go to the game with us, former co-worker of mine. Yeah, it's always nice to be able to hook up with some folks and, and enjoy some time with them as well as the game. Without a doubt, and Progressive Field is neat. I mean, from the first thing you see, essentially, with the statues of Bob Feller and Lou Boudreau and, and Larry Doby right off the uh, right field gate, that was the first thing we saw as we walked up to the stadium and reminded me a lot of Camden Yards coming into there. It did, a different angle, but yes. And then, of course, as I'm walking in and I see a certain statue, I mean, before you even really get up there and can see the placard, you know that's Jim Tomey's statue. And it was really fun to see that. And then Ron proceeded to tell almost everybody in the stadium that I went to high school with Jim Tomey. (laughs) This is a fact, though, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Jim Tomey was a year ahead of Patty at Limestone High School in Bartonville, Illinois, just outside of Peoria. 
yeah, and I didn't really know him. I mean, I had I had seen him and hey, whatever, but he always seemed like a really nice guy and then everything that I've heard about him since says that as well. So I'm really happy for him and his success and that he's going into the Hall of Fame. 600 homers later. <laughs> right, exactly. It's awesome. Representing the hometown. Right, there you go. And just down from the Tomei statue, you've got another thing that reminded me a lot of Camden Yards. Uh, You've got Heritage Park with Frank Robinson, who's the first ever black manager in Major League Baseball. And he is kind of overseeing this area. His statue is right in the middle of it. And around him are these placards of the franchise's Hall of Fame players. And it reminded me a lot of the Earl Weaver statue in the statue court beyond the outfield wall at Camden Yards where we've got the statues of their Hall of Fame players, uh, the Orioles Hall of Fame players. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you see aspects of Camden Yards at Progressive Field because Progressive Field opened two years after Camden Yards did. Well, and we've heard that, right? That a lot of aspects of Camden Yards have been borrowed in in stadiums that have it come It pretty since much then. laid the foundation for every you know, stadium Atlanta, that followed. Atlanta, your, yep, your yep. favorite that you're always raving about. <laughs> so uh, the other thing that was really cool and one of my favorite aspects of the park was something we kind of stumbled upon. We're back to Progressive upon. Field now, guys. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes, Progressive. Um, we stumbled upon it kind of by accident. Yeah. And that was the field level bullpen viewing area where we were walking around. We had gotten our food and we were kind of trying to figure out where where Joe went because he went over to watch the game while we were getting our food. And this usher said, did you want to go down to this viewing area? And we're like, sure. What is it? it? (laughs) (laughs) And I had seen that it said that, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, But it basically means that first come first served and i'm pretty sure she said the first 15 people who can go down at a time uh for each inning so we were there we were standing up there at the sixth inning so once the sixth inning got over the folks came up and we were able to go down and we viewed the seventh inning the entire seventh inning yep that was really cool it was neat and uh it's definitely an angle of the field not everybody gets to see, and definitely something not offered at each stadium. Right. And they even had the phone in there where they used to receive the call to the bullpen. Yep, get that guy warmed up. Right. Um, Now, obviously, we did not go to this place, but behind home plate, there are also field-level box seats. So, like, when we were at PNC Park and then when we've been to Bush Stadium, you see these seats right behind home plate that are like the special seats. They got the buffet, you know, they got the... The green seats, as they often call at them. At Bush Stadium, yeah. Yeah. Um, but at P- at Progressive Field, rather, those seats are like right into the stadium. They're field-level field seats. Field-level, right. And so that was really cool. We didn't get to see that. Now, our seats were right behind home plate in Section 152, reasonably priced. I mean, with fees included... And the fees, buy a baseball ticket online. The fees are ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> why not just list the price as is? What 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 is a you know a handling fee? Uh, you know why are there surcharges? Especially when you buy it from the team directly. 
Uh, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> but with fees included, they were $91 total. That's two tickets right behind home plate. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, when we say right behind home plate, we really mean right behind home plate. Section 152, look up the seating chart at Progressive Field and you'll see what we're talking about. And these photos will be up at the uh, home, home Run on Wheels photo gallery as well. There was one other special section behind us and it was a box area. Yeah, it was where... for the first 12 rows of those sections behind home plate. We were in AA, so we were... What, what would that have been? Like the 27th row, I guess? <laughs> yeah, but they could go in there. There was a different bar and, and different, I think, a couple of different concessions yep. as well. But I really liked where we were, so. Yeah, me too. Except there was a net over oh, us. Oh, the net. You can't get a fall ball because there's a net right. And a fall ball may have landed in our area if the net wasn't there. Yeah, it actually and, went up and then it rolled down the net. Yeah. And I understand wanting to protect your fans and stuff, but the ball's going straight up in the air. From there, you're not going to lose an eye or break your nose. From You might you know, get a welt on your head if you're not paying attention, but geez, I did not like the net over my head at Progressive well, Especially Field. when you could have had your first ball, right? I know, right? Oh, well. But we do, so we're talking about these, these special areas with the bars and the concessions and whatever, but... Where we were, though, beyond the right field fence where that bullpen viewing area is, uh, is a place called the Corner Bar. This thing opened in 2015. It's a two-level thing. You do need a special ticket to get up to the second level, but the field level is open to everybody, and it's really, really neat. That's where we got our food. There's a plethora of concession options in there. There are three bars in there that have a total of 40 beer choices. I mean, that, that's really cool and, and, you know, pretty much a taste for everyone in there. Whether you want tacos, I got grilled cheese with macaroni and cheese and, and bacon because add more cheese and bacon, right? Right, of course. And I think they had hot dogs in there as well and hamburgers and yeah, you're, yeah, the classic fare. Yeah, they had your typical ballpark fare, but uh, as Joe told me, you know, the food in there is, is even, it, it's kind of high-end food, but you're not going to... They're, they're not really gouging you on price, though. I mean, it's ballpark prices, but it's not like Nationals Park ballpark prices. <laughs> well, yeah, we both got... I ended up going to another area and getting a build-your-own burger, and I think it was around maybe 15 maybe $16, and that was with a ton of fries. And you, you got a lot, a lot of, of food with yours, so... Yeah, the prices are ballpark prices, but they give you a lot of bang for your buck as they, well. They you really could have shared that. Yeah. Totally. And our full stadium review will be up at homerunonwheels.com uh, about an hour after this podcast posts at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. We are caught up now on our stadium reviews. Uh, we wrapped up Rogers Center and PNC Park and Progressive Field, and we look forward to getting Great American Ballpark up. But we went to the game on Tuesday. We did not leave the Cleveland area until Sunday. So we will tell you all about the rest of our experiences in the Cleveland area after this word from Children's Hope Alliance. Did you know there are enough kids in foster care to fill the rosters of almost 1,500 MLB teams and their entire farm systems? We need more foster parents. Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn more. 
just seeing everybody else have a family. I remember just like, you know, like saying, what's wrong with me, you know? Josh spent 16 years in DSS custody after unthinkable abuse and neglect. He came to Children's Hope Alliance last year to join our independent living program to help him transition into adulthood. I'm thankful being an independent living of the Children's Hope Alliance because I don't know where else I would be. Independent living is just one of nearly 30 programs at Children's Hope Alliance. Visit childrenshopealliance.org advocate to learn how to help kids like Josh. I didn't give birth to these kids, but they're here and they're our family and they're our kids. Carrie and her husband couldn't have a baby on their own, but they wanted to raise a family. So they reached out to Children's Hope Alliance to learn about becoming foster parents. Children's Hope Alliance helped place a little boy named Riley in their home. The couple adopted Riley about a year later, then adopted his older brother too. Now their house and their hearts are full of family. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit childrenshopealliance.org advocate. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. And as we told you, we really enjoyed our time in the Cleveland area with Cuyahoga Valley National Park, with Progressive Field, seeing our buddy Joe Rogers. Then our, we got a hall pass. Our Hall of Fame Saturday. Yeah, that was that was a great time. I really enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't looking as forward to the Pro Football Hall of Fame as somebody else was. <laughs> As we were, uh, well, just in the morning, knowing we were going there, and then we're walking from the car into the Hall of Fame, and this guy was like a little kid going to Disneyland or something. <laughs> it was really cute. And which is kind of funny because it's my second time being there. I was there in 2016 for work when Brett Favre went into the Hall of Fame. Well, it, was, it wasn't all for work, but... It was your first time there, and yeah, I was more excited to, to, to go back than you were there th- th- than you were to see it for the first time. But I really enjoyed it. I'm not saying that I wasn't excited at all, but I was ne- not nearly as excited as you were. <laughs> you were pretty darn excited to see all the Walter Payton stuff they had in there, though, Miss Chicago Bear fan. There are a lot of Chicago Bears in there, and, and I think we may have determined that there were more Bears than Packers. But let's not talk about rings or anything like that. We'll leave that out of the conversation. <laughs> But I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the first thing when you walk in, you get to see what I think of as baseball cards all the time, but they're football cards, right? Because I just associate it with baseball players for some reason, because that's what you think of. But there's all these cards. They they had one of Walter Payton that they used for an example to show what was mint condition versus what wasn't. I don't remember what all the levels are. Yeah, all the degraded stages of, of cards and how the value diminishes. If it's got a little bent corner or something like that, you know, the, the, the value goes down. Right. We also learned that Edgar Allan Poe has a cousin. Yeah, I don't remember played. the cousin's name, but his cousin played in the NFL. And so then I'm like. You know, I wonder what team Edgar Allan Poe played for yeah, as a and, joke. And then what did I say? Of course, the Ravens. And I was like, good night. Yeah, I'm drop out. The mic. Yeah, drop the mic. Yeah, yeah that was that, that, <laughs> that was her moment. We, we were 10 minutes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was cool. And seeing the bus is really cool. But I think my favorite part was what you expected me to have as my favorite part, because I believe it's yours as well. You kept telling me about it was a game for life. Yeah, it's a cool presentation about uh, 20 minutes long. It's hosted slash narrated, whatever you want to call it, by Hologram Joe Namath, which is which is kind of neat. Joe Namath just appears. 
But then you also got Dan Loria playing Vince Lombardi. And, and I struggled to find the name of the actor who played Papa Bear George Hallis. But uh, those guys come in. And what's really cool is the videos that they play with guys like Curtis Martin, Warren Moon, Steve Large, and Jim Kelly. Talking about their experiences in football. And uh, Alan Page uh, with Minnesota State Supreme Court. But before that, he was wreaking havoc as part of the Minnesota Vikings purple people eaters defense in the 70s so you know seeing those guys tell their their story of how football helped shaped who they are not just as football players but as men uh and and the life lessons that football taught them and curtis martin had basically football has basically saved his life it's very inspirational and it's a great message for kids and and adults really that you get out of that and i think we were both tearing up well, Coming especially with Jim Kelly talking about his cancer battle and Warren Moon having to deal with racism and, and nobody wanted to play him at quarterback because he's black. They always wanted to put him at wide receiver, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it uh, really tugs at the heartstrings and uh, gives you the feels. Yeah, the other thing that was inspirational in the hall was there's all these quotes they have around the whole place. And I just think that as well just brings out the best in and shows you what the game can really teach you, you know, not just football, but but any sport. And one of the quotes was that football has taught me accountability, to be accountable to your teammates, your family, the fans, and to yourself. And that was by Seattle Seahawks Hall of Fame tackle Walter Jones. I, the one I liked was the J.J. Watt one that, that, that they had up on that wall. It's a success isn't owned it's leased and the rent is due every day. And uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You hear the the guys being a, a high motor guy who always, you know, go, gives 110% on every play. And J.J. Watt is, is that, that kind of guy. And so it's not a surprise that that would come out of his mouth because, you know, that's just kind of like who he is. And, and yeah, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is just a, a wonderful place to go, especially if, if you're a football fan and, and – uh, you know, you see the inspirational things like like that. But, I mean, there's just a lot of memorabilia in there, too. And it's just a really cool place to visit. Well, also, the other thing that was cool was the things where you can kind of measure yourself against the players. <laughs> yeah, with the hands. And... The hands. Marshall Falk's hands aren't very much bigger than mine. No, Marshall Falk actually is a normal-sized human being. Gilbert Brown, on the other hand, they had his leg, like a, a cast of his leg, and Gilbert Brown was 350 pounds when he played for the Packers. Oh my gosh, and you could so, like sta- yeah. step into the mold where his leg was and fit into the mold. It was it was fun. Yes, small children would fit into Gilbert Brown's leg. Uh, but speaking of having a lot of like stuff and memorabilia and I mean the... From Canton, we spent about three hours at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Then we got lunch, and then we went up to Cleveland, right on the waterfront with Lake Erie, and went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And there is so much stuff in there, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, it's six floors. Now, it's not like six humongous floors, and even the sixth floor is like really small. Yeah. But... It's really cool, and there's so much to see, so much to read about the folks. I really enjoyed seeing the lyrics, the handwritten lyrics and things like that. Uh, One of the things that I really liked as well was Jimi Hendrix had liner notes to Electric Ladyland. They were kind of (laughs) crazy, but it was was interesting to see it written on Hotel Stationery. Because it kind of puts you in that place and time when he was writing it, you know, and it humanizes him to a point. 
as well as this rock legend. Um, to think of that, there was also the couch that he used to sit in his family living room or whatever. And yeah, so and there write. are so there are people and artists who kind of have like their own little special sections. Uh, Jimi Hendrix is one of them. The Rolling Stones and the Beatles were were, were others. Elvis Presley was another. Uh, who who else had like their own little area? Michael Jackson was mixed in with some others that had their their own areas, but mm-hmm. he had like two of them right. because, of course, yeah, the King of Pop. Prince had a special display. Tom Petty as well. Um, oh, that was the, speaking of Prince and Tom Petty. Oh how man, how about that? There, yeah, the rock and roll experience video that they do, and it ends with the. Oh man, I was tearing up during that. You talk about tearing up during the oh, gym. I was out and out crying during that. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't man. tearing up. I was Jim, crying. It yeah, was yeah. Awesome. The, the the Jim Kelly Warren Moon videos, you know, made me tear up. But geez, seeing Tom Petty and Prince play and Prince just shredding it. Uh, man, I'm I, I got I'm. It's dusty in the room now, and I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> right. So and I just can't imagine the 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 feels we're probably gonna have uh, here later this month in Detroit and and Milwaukee when we get some some kids out to some baseball games and if if we get to to see the the joy on their faces going out to a, uh, to a ballpark. Absolutely, experiencing things for the first time and and you know like we said those those messages that sports or just spending time with your friends that. Sports brings people together. Music brings people together. It's just all these things that we hope for these kids to have an experience as well. Without a doubt. So, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Home Run on Wheels podcast. We are trying to line up more guests for future episodes, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully, we get some more Major League Baseball players on the podcast. And uh, I know one of these points, we're going to have some more musicians on the podcast. Uh, Nevada color was awesome, so we want to do more of that uh, and, and talk baseball with these guys. So um, Tuesday, we will be at Great American Ballpark for Rockies Reds, and we will discuss that outing in Thursday's episode of the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Thanks for listening.